So being experienced students, um, what, draw, what drew you to this particular day? Why did you come to this particular teaching on dependent origination? What brought you here? Anybody? That's going to get some good exercise today. <laughs> Well, I've been hearing about dependent origination, you know, for, for decades and um, recognize that it's a very essential um, aspect of the Buddhist teaching. And I love it when it's called the 12 link chain of dependent origination yeah. because I think that's such a cool <laughs> label for something. Mm -hmm. But what brought me here was uh, recognizing that I don't really understand the links right. of the chain. Right. And I want to. Great. Great. And right behind you. Um, I'm sitting the two month in February in February and March, and I'm starting to have sort of a panic attack about it. <laughs> and uh, so I'm here to uh, fire the afterburners or something. <laughs> <laughs> Give more launch into the mission. Well, that's good because often it is on deep retreat that more of this becomes self-evident. And in daily life, this is, ends up being more theoretical until we have a lot of practice under our belt. But even then, we just use parts of this in daily life. And then on longer retreat, you actually begin to see all 12 links and how they relate to each other. One more, right here. I'm doing the month long in February. Uh-huh. And uh, I came for this reason. Uh, also, I've used in the past, I've used this practice on a, a regular basis, and I haven't for quite a while, mm. about five years. Uh, so I came to this. I also came to the um, four foundations of mindfulness and the meta. Mm -hmm. I just thought that would be a good way to get ready. Great. Great. Get priming. So that, <clears throat> that is a part of this tradition, is to study and then do practice. And sometimes when we're teaching the practice, we don't want to necessarily agitate a lot of thinking because we're trying to calm that down. But if we only did that, we would never begin, to, never have the opportunity to get deeper into the theoretical understanding. And it's when you do have a uh, familiarity with the theoretical understanding, and then you come into the actual intimacy with how your mind is working that those two begin to work together and uh, uh, cause insights that um, really change your understanding of how your mind is actually working. So you do need to prime it with some study. And today will be a study and practice, study, discussion, practice day. Thanks. So the Buddha <clears throat> uh, one time was visiting a village and there's this one monk named Vikali who became very ill, so ill he couldn't leave his meditation hut. And he began to cry. He began to weep. And his friends came and said, why are you weeping? He said, the Buddha's coming, but he probably won't come to my cabin. Uh, and this is my one chance to really see him. I've been dying to see him. Um, but <clears throat> I'm so ill, I'm stuck in this illness, it's miserable enough, but now I actually won't get to see the Buddha. And when the Buddha was visiting, 
um, that was relayed to him and he actually did come see Vakali. And Vakali relayed this and was so overjoyed that he actually got to see the Buddha. And the Buddha turned to him <clears throat> and said, He who sees the Dhamma, Vikali, sees me. He who sees me sees the Dhamma. Truly seeing Dhamma, one sees me. Seeing me, one sees Dhamma. And then that teaching gets echoed out, not from that one circumstance, but throughout, is that he didn't want people to make a cult of aspiration and inspiration about the Buddha and to kind of be drawn up into just who is this incredible person. He wanted people to really understand the teachings he was given. He was more interested in the teachings than in, him, than in the glory of himself. And then in this line, Vikali, who is already practicing, saw the Buddha, is the fact that Vikali was a monk at the time and had practiced at all. He saw the best part of the Buddha. The best part of the Buddha was not that he was handsome. The best part of the Buddha was not that he was smart. The best part of the Buddha was not necessarily that he was free in terms of Vikali. That's all good for Vikali, uh, enjoying the fact that the Buddha is free. The best part of the Buddha for Vikali is that Vikali was inspired to practice and was already doing the practices. And so we'll never see the person who lived 2,500 years ago. We'll never know what he actually looked like. But when you yourself are caught up in a wandering mind, you recognize it and you bring yourself to the breath. You've seen the Buddha. That's the Dharma. When you know how to de-escalate yourself out of your own anger because your mindfulness has told you, I'm stuck up in this anger and as much as my mind wants to go say angry things, I know better. I'm talking myself down. I've learned that through this tradition. That's seeing the Buddha. That's seeing the Dharma. So it's more important to see the Dharma than to see the actual Buddha. And you've seen the best part of the Buddha when you've seen the Dharma. He's also said, one who sees Paticca Samuppada, which is the Pali for dependent origination, sees the Dhamma. One who sees the Dhamma sees Paticca Samuppada. So that's also just a direct linking. Paticca Samuppada tends to be a fairly deep teaching, not given to just anybody. People need a little bit of practice. Otherwise, it ends up being too subtle and too... Um, abstract. But here the Buddha is saying to really understand the Dhamma that the Buddha was trying to teach, if you really want to see that, you need to see dependent origination. And once you've seen dependent origination, once you've really understood it, you've understood the Buddha, you've understood the Dharma. And so because I was a physicist and a mathematician I know that these th all three things are equal. <laughs> the Buddha, the Dhamma, and Paticca Samuppada, they're equal. And so when you see the Buddha, if you actually saw the live Buddha, you would be seeing dependent origination in motion. When you see this physical body, by this tradition, without being dogmatic and telling you this has to be so, but let's just try it on, this tradition that we've inherited from Burma, and Thailand, Sri Lanka. 
To see a body in front of you is to see a being under the forces of dependent origination. That's why this body was born by this theory. So if to see the Buddha is to see a being who was caught in dependent origination and was liberated. So these, these three things, the Dhamma, Paticca Samuppada, dependent origination, and the Buddha, the best parts of them are identical. Do you mind if we take a picture of them? No, sure, if you want to. Um, get, that's a quick way to get slides for yourself, <laughs> is to take pictures. <laughs> the wheel form in the bottom is often the symbolic version of dependent origination. We'll get into that. So this is a particular one that I made. Give you all a second. <laughs> This is a modern, um, a fairly modern teacher in Burma, Mogok Saida. He died uh, maybe 40 years ago. But wherever he, uh, wherever you see pictures of him, you usually see the wheel of dependent origination right behind him. So that wheel behind him was his teachings. So much so is that he didn't want people to be enamored with him and his charisma and the fact that he could articulate things for six hours on end and people were like, oh my God, what a great amazing teacher we have in our village. It's like, not, not to get caught up with the person and the personality. Please be caught up by the teachings. In all of his monasteries, <clears throat> there's a stage where teachers can sit, but there is a huge poster of what's behind him. And it's there. So when, when the teachers come and go, the Dhamma is right up front. And they're taught in terms of meditation to try to understand this wheel. And then people can at different, different levels. For some people, it's uh, still very abstract. For others, it's more and more what they're trying to understand. You can always tell when you've gone to a restaurant or a fam- visiting a family, a, bu- you know, a taxi cab driver will have this little dependent origination wheel hanging from their rearview mirror or <laughs> over by where you walk into the restaurant. Um, and then you say, oh, Mogok Saida. And they go, oh, you know him? And he's a very famous teacher in Burma. So this wheel has become famous through him. It's how he framed it. Um, it's not too different than the wheel I showed. It's just got a lot more embedded in it. By the way, if you do have questions, um, it's a small enough audience. It's easy to have dialogue as we go. Yeah. Is Dhamma uh, to articulate liberation or something like that? The word Dhamma <clears throat> um, gets... It's a beautiful word because it, it captures everything in one burrito. <laughs> it's a very full burrito. It's the truth. It's the teachings. It's the path. And it's how things actually work. So Dhamma, we might say, uh, Sir Isaac Newton understood the laws of gravity. The laws of gravity were there well before Isaac Newton articulated them. But Isaac Newton articulated the laws of gravity. We build buildings understanding that with, if we don't build them right, gravity will cause them to fall. And so architecture is the wise relationship to being in a field of gravity. So all these things, this is the Dhamma of gravity, that it exists, that it is powerful, how to align yourself within the field of gravity, so for your benefit, 
um, what's the understanding, all those things end up being the Dhamma of, gra- of gravity. Does that make sense? Is that making sense? Whatever? The Dhamma the Buddha was under- interested in is where does our mental suffering come from and how to bring it to an end. So the Dhamma in this, they call it the Buddha Dhamma as opposed to Sir Isaac Newton Dhamma <laughs> or gravity Dhamma. <laughs> Buddha Dhamma is where does suffering come from and how to bring it to an end. And that's the full encapsulation of what the Buddha wanted us to see. So dependent origination is the full encapsulation of what the Buddha wanted us to see. The 40 years of the Buddha's teaching is a full encapsulation of what the Buddha wanted us to see and understand. So it's the teachings, it's the path, but it's also you're tapping into natural laws, natural laws that grow suffering and natural laws that undo suffering. And that's really why dependent origination is the underpinning uh, of those natural laws. It's the description of these natural forces that uh, generate our suffering or bring them to an end. So it actually was a trick question. Why are you here? Dependent origination. (laughs) Either as a topic that you're interested in, but... uh, you're here, and it's just, it's in, I don't really want to get like too like pushy on it, but sometimes when I look around, I go, dependent origination, dependent origination, dependent origination, dependent origination, people who are caught trying to be free, and dependent origination in one way is how we get caught, but dependent origination is just as powerfully taught how we get free. So when I look around, I don't just see caught people, I see people who are deepening in their freedom, and, all, and I just see little wheels behind each each one of you. <laughs> so I've tried that on in like a big crowd and just imagining it. Because I believe that's what the Buddha saw. The Buddha was sort of scanning through and was looking at people who were caught and free and tried to help them understand that. Let's make that new file.